Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Rainy, rainy day here in L.A. today, Brooke. I know. I I just fully got into my feels and uh, showed up for Zoom work uh, just as the Lord intended, you know, me to be just sort of just it, the, the, the dedication to being like up presentable and really like, you know, like I was getting into my two hours to myself, like me time before work started, you know, mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. me getting up at seven and not working till nine. It felt awesome. It's very but, nice. But then on a rainy day, you quickly realize, you know, there's, that's a built in two hours that I could sleep roll out of bed and fucking show up for work in a hoodie and some leggings and nobody yeah, gives a shit. It's definitely the day where you're like, am I fighting something? Am I, am I you know? <laughs> um, I came to the very rainy day uh, pastime of going to TJ Maxx and Marshall's uh, and got a... Co- you should have called me. Oh, man. But I did like I was you were probably somewhere in Burbank, right? I was at the Empire Center, which does yes. go. And it's a trap. Just, so you know, this it's a trap. It goes Target, Marshall's, TJ Maxx, Nordstrom Rack. And then across the way is West Elm. So if it's a rainy day and you're looking to uh, just be trapped by deals. <laughs> yeah, I I immediately felt the, the pull and the call to go purchase throw pillows from from world market which here the one i go to in glendale the trap is world market nordstrom rack petco oh (laughs) sometimes i go into the ross dress for less and then tj maxx but then also underneath the ralph's is the halloween super center so it's a goddamn (laughs) shit show (laughs) uh not gonna lie i bought a tree skirt today (laughs) <laughs> no, they they put the fucking the Christmas is Christmas is it's happening. It's all bitch. out already, and it's, I was I was like, it's a boho Christmas rattan rug tree skirt. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I am sitting here going like, it's so confusing when you're literally looking for vampire teeth and then there's like holly you know already and you're like this is halloween this is halloween halloween Hey guys, well, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Wallace. Oh, and I'm your other host, Brooke Van Poplin. Uh, welcome. 
Welcome back, part two of Spooky Season, episode 148. Girl, we're almost, I feel like hitting Whoa. 150 is cause for celebration in and yeah, of yeah, itself. Yeah, 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 it's pretty yeah. cool. That's got to have some sort of metal, precious metal attached to it, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, also I wanted to go back uh, and and kind of go on the record. I kind of made it, you know, I know not everyone follows us on social, but when I had more time to really do a deeper dive, like, thank God I'm not like a lawyer or an investigator because I did real shoddy work. Um, but the true crime <laughs> segment that I did for, you know, th this past episode, I learned so much more and I, I had to dig a little bit, but found some dedicated podcasts. So I mentioned it. If it piqued your interest, there's a podcast called um, Catch My Killer and it's episode 20 and 21 are specifically dedicated to Mary Jane Reed. And oh my God, it just goes. Cool. It, it's so beyond creepy. And I absolutely got a few uh, factoids wrong, you know, but what are you going to do? Like they fucking switched heads, you know, that the case mm -hmm. was all willy nilly mm -hmm. and crazy. So um, yeah, if you want to check out more deep dive stuff about the Mary Jane Reed case, absolutely check out this uh Catch my killer. Um, that guy does not know how to place an ad. They are. I will say he's very. <laughs> and and he's also God bless. Right. But he's like an award winning true crime writer for his new local newspaper. But okay. he hosts his podcast in the scary voice. And you're like, and that's why Georgia. You sound like Neil Hamburger. <laughs> no, I know. But you're like sitting here going like, and that's why. Why? Was she killed, right? That's <laughs> right. And then you're sitting here going like, yep, the the men made the genre so stupid with their like super scary hosting voices. And then along comes Karen and Georgia who are like, hey, what's up? I'm a real person. And I'm like, of course they're fucking media queens. Because mm -hmm. it was just a landscape of basement dwelling men, you know? So Yeah. I feel like like the most serious voice I can get behind is Phoebe. I think we all know that, you know? <laughs> Hi, it's Phoebe. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, we should rant about other podcasts more often. That would be a fun. It's our fun new podcast. Just podcast we'll about we'll podcast. We'll call it Pod Blast. Pod Blast Pod Corner. Blast. You're on blast. Oh boy, oh boy. Well, let's uh, dive into some headlines, uh, shall we? Yeah, you um, lead this, this one. one. Oh boy, oh boy. Hot. And my anger, my anger will lead me. You lead me with the actual facts of the story. Okay, so here's basically how. It goes down. So Hooters. We've talked about Hooters in the past, Brooke. Of course. Uh, sex, restaurants, episodes. Uh -huh. um, just what it takes to be Hooters girl in general. Like, okay, so we all picture our Hooters uniform in our heads, right? Short shorts, tight little t-shirt, like sneakers, high socks. So a new corporate policy went through recently um, with a new uniform, mandatory uniform, which is basically like, how do, how would I describe it? Like a, like thong, like, like, more, like a high waist meet, meet, meet a thong, like where pretty much half your ass. Like if you bend over wrong, someone will see your butthole. Right. And, I would say and the, that, and the other and the other bits in front, you know, uh, so these. Yeah. So these are the new shorts that were required at Hooters as part of the uniform, which, of course, got its start in doom doom fucking Texas, of course, was the first 
area of Hooters to be like, this is what you grow, this is what y'all gotta wear. Um, can't get abortions, but wear this and try not to make men. Blah. Anyway, I don't oh, even want to get into dark, that part dark of thoughts, it. Dark thoughts, Andrea. Dark, d- very horrible things almost came out of my mouth that would have absolutely just been, you know, directed toward men and yeah. legislators and people who like to put the blame on women. But this is a, a little bit of what's happening too. of now suddenly because Alec Baldwin had a bad, bad whoopsie. Suddenly Republicans are all for prop gun control, but not Great. real gun control. And you're like, the world is so fucked. The world is very fucked. Um, so taken to TikTok as people do these days when they got something to say about something they don't like um, at sick about it uh, basically it shows him off and is basically like, what the fuck is this all about? She goes to bed. She's got like 2 million views um, to the point where people are taking a stand. Hoodoo's girls are taking a stand across the country against this new uniform, which is AKA thongs instead of shorts. They have to wear to work. Um, and it got so much publicity um, and it got so much action across TikTok and across social media that then basically the CEO is like, okay, we'll make them optional, you know? Which good for these ladies for yeah, sure. Yeah, but 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 also sort of like if you then are pitting empl- again, this is once again pitting employees against employees. If there are the two girls who are like, I want to wear the thongs and get better tips, while the other two, like while my other coworkers maintain some semblance of you know, like there is dignity within the Hooters protocol because. It is regulated. They are protected. Like they for are performers. Sure. You know, we we've we've talked about that. Like you know, like we get it. And and it's like for certain servers, this is a combo that like can really work. They can make a ton of cash. Like work their their great looks, keep their fucking dignity right. But this is like it was already like on the line, and this is full on, like. Am I even wearing anything uh, over my ass at this point? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so but then I do think it pits employees against be like, well, <laughs> they're, you know, uh, OK, there's Jenny uh, who she just she loves. I mean, and, and not that Jenny should be shamed, but that Jenny might get more attention because she's wearing the riskier version of the Hooters. I agree. I don't think I don't think it should be an option at it all. I think it should be, be like, like across the board, this is what we wear, just like a, to, a, a school uniform. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if any restaurant has staff, the women who, you know, the women are, who are supposed to be wearing these, if there's even one among them who doesn't want to, then it should be like, no, we're doing traditional. Like, it's so fucking crazy. Like, if the whole staff is like, we want to do the, you know, the booty thong, then Godspeed to them. And that can be known as a location where the Hooters uh, staff all does the fucking thong. But the idea, yeah, I don't know that they're like, oh, there are tiers of even sexier of you know, waitresses. It's just, it's so crazy. I mean, my whole thing is like, do you think like the higher ups at Hooters were just like, it's been a really hard, you know, year and a half, almost two years with COVID and we're not getting the numbers that we had. Oh, I have an idea. Let's make these young girls show more of their ass cheeks to everybody and that will save the company. Dude, is there is there a dark world in which they're like, since their faces are covered, 
we need to show more ass. And that's it, which we've covered before. Like wearing, oh, don't even get me fucking started on that. I think that's what it is. They're like, if they're wearing masks for the foreseeable future. Well, not in Texas, they're not. Well, I know so. not in Texas, <laughs> but Hooters is everywhere. It's a it's a countrywide it chain. Is. You and- can't get away from it. Um, but yeah, I agree. And even just looking at some of these, and we'll, we, we'll post these on social media. And I mean, even looking at the server who has these like booty shorts on or I mean, they're fucking underwear. They're like, they're, they're like boy short underwear, but like shorter, you know, with your ass cheek. And she has her apron and her apron is literally like hanging six inches over I mean, it, or apron, six inches longer than the shorts. I mean, the apron, like literally at that point, like needs to be just like a tiny money belt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I don't understand. Like, that is just so silly. Like, you can't really have an apron. That's ridiculous. So um, it's a lot, yeah. but I mean, this the fact that a stand was taken and that rules were changed, that is a good positive thing. You know, but also not, to, the total know, up, it's it's like it's like a it's like a fucking IATSE like compromise, in my opinion, <laughs> you know, so I also think Hooters is probably like there is a national wing shortage. Like we're not good <laughs> at making any other food. Like Ugh. we're about to be super fucked. So they're probably like, we're going to put it on the wait staff. Like when wings inevitably start to cost like $30 because uh, <laughs> there aren't enough to go around. Like we're absolutely going to have to show some ass. Oh, um, God. Okay. Uh, makes me talk. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, we'll stay updated on that <laughs> fucking drama. Hey, can I touch your butt? So I found this, which I found it kind of late in the game. And I'm going to recommend that everyone check it out. So Epicurious, which we enjoy their work, mm-hmm. they put out a 20 minute video of a, a renowned chef who loves bugs is uh, and is like, um, I think the founder of a place called Brooklyn Bugs, where they're all about learning how to eat bugs and prepare them all perfectly and whatever. But Epicurious put out a big YouTube video of how to prepare uh, every edible bug. Whoa. I know. And there are so many on the list. I will come out of the gates and say, I am immediately open-minded toward crickets mm-hmm. and and some ants. Mm-hmm. I may have eaten an ant as a kid just for fucking shits and giggles. You know, it was just like, <laughs> what does that taste like? Who cares? You know, nothing happened. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. but okay, right. So, and and again, like you can so, like this guy made um like macaroni uh macaroni and cheese bites with crickets. You know, little crickets sprinkled in. They were like seasoned in cumin, cumin and paprika. They add like a bunch of crunch and protein, which is super fun because I've had them nacho flavored little gra- little fun size bags of nacho sure. cheese flavored crickets. And like They're yeah, annoying. like you go to Oaxaca and you're gonna get a little like mezcal and like bug setup you know right it's, so and and that was another one that jumped out was the worm of the gusano jumped worm out, hey. i know but the gusano worm also which is indigenous and lives on the agave plants which you will then sometimes see in the bottle mm-hmm. that those are like the preparation and you're thinking about it like they are just little crispy nuggets of protein amazing like my mind can start to wrap itself around especially if you like pulverize it and just turn it into protein powder great totally sure but but then we're going down a road where i was just like how to prepare a water bug what um (laughs) do you marinate it uh i mean my whole thing is like a, a wasp how do you eat a japanese wasp 
Okay, so um, it is really, really interesting, right? Because like my judgment immediately just, you know, went to a fucking level 10 or I was like, a fucking water bug, what's wrong with you, you fucking asshole, you know? <laughs> but think about it, Andrea. When you step on a water bug, sometimes you have to step a few times. They're <laughs> chunky, <laughs> they're meaty. Ah! Essentially, essentially, he's like, they're like, like fucking crab season. He's like, what you do is snap them in half and like their shell. And he's like, and you pick out all their delicious meat. And then like, like fucking Baltimore, Maryland crab season, mm. people making their little meat pile. And so he did this like beautiful marinade. He mixed it. I was just like, what the fuck is happening? But I can sort of wrap my mind around it. Then he blew my mind with, okay, so tarantulas and scorpions, right? Mm-hmm. How to prepare those. He's like, they are in the family of arthropods. They mm-hmm. are essentially shrimp and or, you know, but they're land shrimp because mm-hmm. they have an exoskeleton. And mm-hmm. we think we think that shrimp and all these other like sea bugs, you know what I'm saying? Like shrimp is a sea bug. That's what mm-hmm. it is. And no, no, so he's I, totally uh, I know. I know. But basically he's like, oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Scorpions and tarantulas, the, uh, venomous. But the minute you cook them, it denatures the venom. venom. And then I know. And so then the scorpion, uh, you take out the stinger. And with the tarantulas, you pull the fangs out. And you also mm-hmm. have to take a blowtorch, a blowtorch to the hair all over the tarantula. But then it's okay, ready to first go. first pull the fangs out. Then you put a blowtorch all over it. Then you pick everything apart. Put it in a blender. Put it in, I don't know. It's yeah, like a lot of work. But this is the future, bro. right? This is the future, but, you're, but I, I started to be that way too. But then you're also talking about like, what does a butcher do? You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like, what does a chicken do? We have to pull feathers off. We have to skin I, agreed. things. I'm and all like, about normalizing it. And I'll it I'll try. Is. This is a good segue into like normalizing a lot of things this episode, right? Absolutely, right? And but it was funny where he's just like tarantula. He's he's like, yeah, once you like blowtorch that fur off there and get the fangs and the venom out, he's like, you just dip it in your tempura batter, baby. And he's right. like, and you are eating like a crispy, delicious. He's like, it tastes like shrimp. <laughs> I definitely would be like, land shrimp. <laughs> like when I see a tarantula yes. walking toward you. Oh that's what I'm going to say. Which, by um, the way, God bless our old co-host and, and still current dear friend, Jocelyn Hughes, who did go to Peru for two fucking weeks and had a tarantula buddy hanging out in her like hut that she lived in for two weeks off the grid or whatever. Nice. But shout out to Jay Hughes. That's great. She told me she had a, a, the a most incredible time. So I can't really wait cool. to hear the stories. Great yes. headlines. Uh, should we move into some spooky Servo? submitted story? Land shrimp. <laughs> Okay, guys, first spooky story. Here we go. Brooke, Andrea, Brian. Hi, it's Jarrett. And here is the main reason I hate Halloween. I tried for so long to love it, but now I can't stand it. And it's all because I worked at a haunted house. My time working at Chambers of Horror. (laughs) Wait, Brian, let's do it again. I want to go. Chambers of Horror. And then you can put an echo and screams behind it. (laughs) So there are four of the best Halloween seasons I've ever had. 
I try and keep in touch with everyone that I worked with there as well. Along with that, about a month ago at my daytime job, my friend who I worked with at the haunted house delivered a shipment to my current business. It was good to see him, but here's why I don't like Halloween. After working at a haunted house for so long, biases are formed. Some people were there to have fun and not just show up drunk and high and act like your everyday generic fuck all who is annoying as shit. I remember this one time some college dude bro wouldn't stop rubbing his head all over the handheld puppet I operated while I was trying to complete the scare. So because of that, I grabbed the hood of his hoodie and made sure that he hit his head on the wall separating us. (laughs) (laughs) having fun is all good but if you're being a shit like that whatever happens to you you had it coming the weekend of halloween and actual halloween night are the worst the ticket holders come in drunker and higher than usual and it's like hurting blind and deaf pigs (laughs) on top of that everyone gets through that night the line does not get cut off So that night of work can go as late as 3 or 4 a.m. While everyone is having a great time, we, the workers, are also trying to have a good time ourselves. But unfortunately, the alcohol does run out. (laughs) (laughs) Because of all the time and energy that is dedicated to providing a fun time for the masses, Halloween has been forever destroyed for me. Nowadays on Halloween, all I want to do is stay at home and do as much of nothing as I can. Would I work at a haunted house again? Sure, but at my age, I wouldn't want to be an actor in the trenches anymore. It's truly for the youth. But being in a haunted house really made me grow up. My humor has changed Uh, My friend circle grew and my appreciation of horror films has increased. Anyways, that's all I got. Thanks for everything. Godspeed and good tips. Jarrett, who I love. This is so like, this is what we talk about for like New Year's Eve is ruined for us. You know, holidays that are ruined for you when you work in the service industry. This is just another side of that. (laughs) And like, and like, it's like Jarrett, he's like, you got to be careful, dude. You're going to ruin all the holidays for yourself if you keep being... Anything Jarrett hasn't done. <laughs> like like bouncing on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve ruined. Working in haunted houses. Halloween haunted ruined. Houses ruined. You know. Playing Santa Claus. <laughs> Christmas Seriously. ruined. Oh boy. Oh boy. I imagine that could be a job that he would do. He'd be like Santa Claus bouncer at the same time. Oh, uh, yeah. but that's great. You know, I worked at a haunted house. I'm like high school. I volunteered and it, he is absolutely right. People are Fucking the monsters are the clientele, yeah. not the people dressed as them. Wow. And like handsy, disgusting men. Like it's a whole situation, you know? Yeah, you know, and so, but right, like you've got that palpable mix of fear and fuckery all happening mm-hmm. at once. And like uh, I had said, I was just like, it's like people are paying to be scared and you're being paid to scare them. It seems like a very simple transaction, but it's not like a lot of people come in um and especially when they're scared and if they're with a group like a lot of emotional problems seem to rise to the surface we're like oh, i wasn't scared you thought i was scared all right now i'm gonna punch this person dressed as a clown you know and it's mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a lot of disgusting psychological and like you know and then i'm sure you have the people who are like barfing getting lost having to be like completely escorted out by an ambulance uh emt it's yeah, it's wild. We're actually um, 
you know, yeah, this will retroactively uh, be something you guys can find, but we're going to talk more in depth with Jarrett on uh, the Wowie live stream on YouTube so you guys can fucking check it out. And, so uh, fun. Yeah, exactly. And we'll also be having uh, Ryan Kellen Jean uh, the transmortician as well will be appearing on Wowie because you know what? And maybe me! And yeah. Andrew will be coming up. <laughs> and the thing is, like, y'all are just some of the coolest people we've had the chance of knowing for the past three years. So I'm keeping you in mind for these fun talk show live stream things. And it's been great because you guys are the best. <laughs> this one's a bit long. I didn't practice it, so I'm in for it. Um, <laughs> this one came to me through my website. I don't know where you guys get these ideas. Um, <laughs> we say sideworkpod at gmail.com in every episode. Then we post it on the website. Yeah. Y'all. BVP at Wix slash dot net. <laughs> How I know that's not your site. I know. I know. I know. But I'm going to, we're going to buckle up and, uh, We'll do this. We're going to get through it. So, because it's a Halloween. God, I'm I'm a little nervous. Okay. I didn't fucking, I didn't fucking vet it. It's so long, but I I think. Just take your time, girl. Yeah. I'll let you know if I get to something. Brian and I need to be like, oops, drop that. I purposely didn't read it because I wanted to be scared too. So I. Okay. (laughs) No, I, I. I really, I read a, I read a good chunk of it. Well, here we go. We're going to move it a clip. Okay. All right. I'm hoping this is where one leaves a server submitted story. It's not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then followed up with, it is the best I can do. Okay. All right. He's already apologetic. I've lived in kitchens for nearly 20 years and my computer online skills are embarrassing. Okay. We'll give you a pass. I'm sorry about the lack of stories lately. You know, that's our problem, not yours. And But this one popped into my head while recently listening to your vegan cult episode. God bless you. Okay. And it's kind of Halloween-y. I worked at a place in Red Hook, Brooklyn, which, I mean, did we ever go together, Andrea? Yeah. Where, okay. To Red Hook? Oh, yeah. Okay, great, great. So, you know, it's like old school, like longshoreman, like fucking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bars built on docks. And yeah, it's it's great. It's old, old Brooklyn. So he worked in Red Hook, Brooklyn, on and off for years. He said, I started as a young and dumb cook. And these people took me in and accepted me for all my flaws and trained me uh, uh, trained me to go move on to a decent little career as a cook in New York City. They became family, and we still remain close. Anyways, when I started there, talk would be heard concerning some ghost that lives in the basement. I'd be told to watch my back because I went down there full speed in the middle of a busy service to grab some mise en place that I forgot to have on my station for the shift. I shook it off as the staff just breaking my stones since I was the young new guy. Flash forward to around 10 years later, I was asked to come back and the and the um and become the chef de cuisine as I did. Very cool. Wow. I work I know. I worked a lot as chefs always do. A couple times a week, I'd get to the restaurant before any other staff to get ahead of the prep. Over the course of several years, some undeniably weird things happened, and I now know ghosts are real. And I hate knowing this. <laughs> it started. It started while I was alone one morning with my back turned to the prep sink to suddenly hear the faucet turn on by itself. Right. As a general high anxiety filled human, I immediately I immediately hated that. But fuck it. 
That's what I told myself at least. Air in the pipes. Not more than a few weeks later. Same scenario. Being there alone in the morning. I ran downstairs to grab stuff. Came up to the kitchen. The faucet is on again. I have no doubt I was rabidly hungover at the time, but I was not totally fucking crazy yet. And I know that I did not do it. After asking the kitchen staff if they have ever witnessed this, they all said no and cracked some dumb jokes, and that was that. My years there as a chef have no timeline in my brain. (laughs) It all seems to me like this period of about four-plus years where I worked nonstop, drank a lot, had a child with my wife at the time, then freaked out and left New York to find peace. So I can't recall when the other things happened, but they happened. One time, I was pooping. Alone. No one in the... (laughs) (laughs) No one in the restaurant was on an early morning prep session. The toilet paper holder was this white plaster sculpture of a big hand that just held a roll of toilet paper. It's very Beetlejuice. (laughs) You'd reach to your right and grab it from the hand and get to work wiping. People love the hand. And one time a woman came out of the bathroom during service and showed me her phone. Oh, gross. The kitchen was directly next to the potty. And the photo on it was of her naked ass on the hand with the hand going up her crack. I digress. (laughs) Customers can be so classy sometimes. Right, guys? All right. So here's back to this specific morning. He's alone. I'm pooping alone. All is quiet. And all of a sudden, the toilet paper roll whacks the floor in front of me with some serious force. Like someone was behind me and threw it at the door. Oof. My knees got weak and I felt like throwing up. I finished my duty, also spelled duty, D-O-O-D-I-E, and walked out of there all fucked up. While my Sue and I were prepping in the basement once alone, he started talking to Jose the dishwasher, who he believed was changing in the locker room and leaning against the wall in his peripheral vision. Guess what? No Jose aquí. Jose was not there. The worst was when a busy night had ended and we all had our shift drink and the clan was going to the local dive. R.I.P. bait and tackle. I've been there. Okay. I I had to be the last one out always as I had the keys. I would do a, oh, this is Andrea territory right here. I would do a sweep through the restaurant and shut everything down that was left on before I headed out. It was around the holidays. So various string lights were hanging in the back dining room and were still on. I could not find a way to shut them off. The cord went through a floor to the basement or something. In my, in my tired and fed up annoyance, I said out loud something like, stupid fucking lights. Where the fuck is the fucking cord? This is fucking ridiculous. I want to get the fuck out of here. Suddenly, all at once, every single light that was off, including plug-in lamps, all glowed extra bright for a couple quick seconds and then shut back off. <laughs> I once again, I once again got that knee shaking, going to barf feeling again and felt true terror. I walked out of there leaving the stupid Christmas lights on. I told the staff what happened and they all laughed and we all proceeded to get wasted yet again. I finally told the chef owner all this and she said, he's fucking with you? What? She said that there was definitely a presence in the restaurant that likes to hang in the basement. Oh, of fucking course. She's seen it a bit over the years. She said it causes no harm, but it was indeed fucking with me. Red Hook has a rich history of violence, and God knows what happened to some poor soul one day in that building way back when. I've never had any other weird stuff happen to me outside of that place. In other news, I live right next to a yellow deli in Vermont. You nailed it. (laughs) In the last episode... (laughs) It is 
like eating in the Shire from the Lord of the Rings. Maybe the most comforting and calming restaurant I've ever sat in. Fiddle music plays lightly and pleasantly, and they sling some mean, textured, vegetable protein veggie burgers with tons of mayo and avocado, and I loved it. Unfortunately, these nitwits wouldn't serve friends of mine who are a married, older, gay couple, and some local friends tell me they've experienced uh, people of color not being served in the past either. Fuck. That. Oh yeah, they're, they're oh they're fuckwads. They don't believe they don't. Yeah, they're they're it's horrible. Yeah. Okay. So no more delicious dandelion lattes for me. And they do get weird with you. When I'd go in alone, they'd ask me if I'm a traveler or a searcher, and I've been brought eerie pamphlets to peruse while I dined. The female staff all look miserable all the fucking time. Fuck them. I hope this feeds your need for some spooky Halloween stories. Vermont is the shit. I cook hemp into oil now for a living. Life is calm. Godspeed and good tips. Sam from Vermont. Oh my God, Sam. I couldn't be happier that you sent this to for the Brooks website now. <laughs> this story is incredible. Yeah, sometimes some things that are so sent so wrong can be read so right. You know what I'm saying? Beautiful. You did such a great job. Great oh. writing. Great writing. And we are a fan. And we're only giving you shit that you sent it to my website. It's it's hilarious because I've all but given up on my career. It's amazing I found it. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, Red Hook was like some gangs in New York shit going on. Like, who it's even? It's a very, yeah, it's a very storied, old, old part of Brooklyn. Um, we can get into it some other time, but like, just just even like uh, Park Slope, uh, where I went, like, my friend Greg lived in this creepy ass, what used to be an old um, opera house, but then before it, it was a livestock showroom where mm-hmm. people would auction livestock, but it, we were nowhere near... Uh, the water, it was definitely at least five uh, avenues away from the water, but there was underground tunnels to the waterfront. Oh, they put the cattle through. And, yep, they would do the cattle yeah. through and bring them up to his place. And we climbed down into the tunnels one night in a drunken stupor at one no! point. No, I know, I know. It was all fun and games until we hit sort of like a locked tunnel. And then I was like, I give up. <laughs> You're like, like, let's go now. Yeah. Um. In Chicago, and and is one of the places. I'm sure there's many other places, but you know, very known for the slaughterhouses. And there is definitely, uh, f- fancy condos that are used to be slaughterhouses, and you can just you can hear like ghost cows mooing, from what I've been told. That's what the architecture tour guides will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> right. But um, guys, if you felt like you missed the boat and were like, "Fuck," I for- like. We'll, we're still going to read. God, you guys always send us emails. these stories. Yeah, they're so great. You can you can send spooky season shit to us year round. Um, but thank you, everyone who wrote in. Uh, and again, the email is sideworkpod at gmail.com, not brookvanpoplin.com. Dun, dun. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I mean, I'm not going to fuck around with you guys. So, um, because it's like, you know, we're, we're working on a show where we're diving deeper into, you know, supernatural and the world of mediums and, and all this fun stuff. Uh, my grandma, who is my spirit animal, has been trying hard to fucking... Make herself Make, known. I'm really? About to tear up. I'm I'm about to tear up. Like it's oh, uh, like through smell or through yes, it's a couple things. Um, like just randomly, I I think maybe something cracked open a few days ago where this I, I put together a montage at her funeral. Um, that I put like a really like a Chet Baker song, a jazz song that I love very dearly. I made like a video montage. Mm-hmm of her and it like came on the radio and it really kind of hit me hard because I've been missing her you know and then I kind of like was touching a lot of her belongings that I've inherited uh and I've been thinking about her a lot uh she's only gone 10 years which is still a long amount of time but then I walked out to the garage to do like uh, like to move something last night and I just walked through a cloud of her perfume Wow. And I went and I was just like, because I was just like, but it didn't strike me because I was just like, where is that coming? Like, this makes no sense. This is a driveway. And it was located near like a little bistro uh, table in one chair that my other neighbor has set up. And there are no flowers. There's nothing. It wasn't coming. Like, no one had been there. And I was just like, what? I was like, hello. You know, very, very, very strange. But uh, I, I loved it and I'm willing to lean into it that uh Frida the same thing happened to my mom not that long ago I don't think I told you about this um so uh, Ryan my mom lost her partner back in January mm-hmm. um Dan was his name and she was uh she was parked her car at work and like the walk from the parking lot to the front door of her work she was like he was a cologne guy right like kept it in his car. There was always, he, I was always like, man, you stink. He's like, I'll smell good in 15 minutes. Trust me. You know, like, so he, my mom was like overwhelmed with the scent of his cologne walking into work and then got in not a scent. There's, there was a guy walking in front of her who ended up being her first patient of the day. And he didn't smell anything like cologne, nothing. So she couldn't explain it. Other than like, I was like, well, Dan walked you into work, mom. Like, yeah, you you got an escort. Um, oh my god. So wait, that being said, we just really <laughs> did like like a fun sharing preface and hang, which I'm like, I always get so sad. Like, I'm like with our guests, we should just hang in advance so that we can ask all the questions and just fucking chill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> However, we are very excited that friend of Sidework podcast, but also. A person who is going through the steps of becoming a professional mortician, Brian Kellen Jean, is our very special guest today on Sidewalk. Welcome! Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. This is going to be great. Oh, I I think so too. Because you know you've sent me down uh, a few paths too with. 
things that you follow and pay attention to that I'm now like getting really aware of. So I think this will be like a very uh, beneficial chat for everyone. I'm super excited. This is where we win journalistic Pulitzer Prizes for podcasting, right? (laughs) (laughs) It hasn't happened yet. We've claimed, we have tried to claim it a few times already where we're like, that one was award worthy. Uh, It hasn't happened, but maybe this one. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like patting your own back sometime is good enough. I'm like, that one is award winning in my opinion. (laughs) So, okay, real quick. So, uh, Ryan, you are based in Montana. And because you follow Sidework Podcast, obviously I have to ask, like, is there restaurant work in your past? Oh, yes. Um, Great. I thought so. I assumed. Well, well, really, I I guess I should preface more uh, bartending okay uh, a lot of brewery experience uh did a lot of bartending and uh, i used to be a casino floor runner whoa too i did the uh the graveyard shift it was my first job out of uh my undergrad and was this, where was this was this in montana it was in montana where are the casinos in montana everywhere everywhere is gambling okay. just legal anywhere mm-hmm. okay well, okay. and they're mostly inside of gas stations. What? Yeah. I love all this. So when you run okay. a casino, like running a casino floor is a big deal, especially late night. Like that's when like there's like most of the weirdos are there. Correct. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I was I was 23. It, again, my first job out of college and that's that I had originally been working at a group home uh for um I guess we wouldn't use the term now but you know like unwed mothers that sort of thing um and uh you know these young women who had children who needed assistance so I had started out there well ended up they couldn't give me the hours I needed you know this and that so I was like I just got an apartment I I need a job now. So I ended up turning in a resume just sort of on a fluke at this casino and they gave me an interview on the spot and we're like, Oh, you'll work graveyard. Sure. Here, like here's an apron basically. Kind of, kind of a little ironic that you started out with graveyard shifts and then ended up (laughs) (laughs) as a mortician. Definitely. Definitely. I I learned those late nights, you know, but uh, I have mostly really awful, not fun sexual harassment stories. That, it's okay. Preach. You know, safe space. So I'm You're like, in the club. I'm like, oof. Like, I don't know if we want to get into that territory. Like, that might be too spooky. <laughs> <laughs> it's the true monster uh, that that still exists in society, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, some really rough, not great times. I ended up, that's one of the only jobs I've ever just walked out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Your personal safety is like, do I want to go missing or do I want to keep working at this job? Exactly. Exactly. And I had another group home job lined up and I just did that. I was like, I'm out. So. So that's really cool. That's like, that's a God, you clearly are put on this earth to be of service. (laughs) Truly like a group. Yeah. You know, Um, so I mean, like first, like 
obviously, you know, we we asked about like the, you know, restaurant and bar situation and then you immediately blew our mind and we're like, I was a floor runner for a casino. <laughs> uh, but I have to ask too, like, was there a, um, when you decided to, to go for mortuary, is it called mortuary school? Yeah. Or, okay. It, what pushed you? Is this who you've been and you like stepped up finally? Or was there a moment where you're like, this is kind of like, the fucking most bulletproof industry because everyone dies. It's never going to stop, you know? Well, you know, my mom was a banker during the recession of 2008. So, you know, I, I learned my lesson. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, uh, I actually started out in music. Okay. Uh, total kind of 180 with my life, really. I, I was looking at... Uh, I actually, I, I started in college uh, studying opera. Oh, wow. That was. Oh, my... I've seen. I've seen you post your gorgeous singing voice. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. I. Yeah. I, lo I love singing. It's like, it's fantastic. I, I love it so much. And I, uh, I started testosterone and that, mm -hmm. you know, kind of changed a lot of my voice. And I'll, you know, I, I'm not sure if I want this on the podcast, but I am currently not sure if I'm going to continue testosterone. You tell um, us you've got yeah. a few days or you could tell us right after we're done. We have to put it cool. in. That's okay. really interesting. Yeah. If you ever want to talk about that too, like yeah. it's got to be such a journey to just be like, I think I wanted this and now I'm not sure. And maybe being just like genderqueer, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. It's your yeah. story. But like there's got to be so much because it does feel like a... um uh like a huge change that's I, I'm not saying that some of it can't be uh, irreversible but yeah anyways yeah no it's like well like I you know especially like with singing being my background I yeah mm -hmm. and then my voice started like I had this huge range and then it got like totally cut off and like my voice is doing the whole like little boy you know like uh, thing I was like I was like you sound like Brooke Van Poplin singing at karaoke I, well <laughs> Where also I'm opera like, opera is a huge discipline like yeah. it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, you practice it, and practice and practice and practice and practice. Like it's like baller, it's like ballet for singing, you know? Like mm -hmm. no, a hundred percent. I totally agree. And I so yeah, so I, I started out in opera. Um <laughs> and uh I started as one does. So, okay, so you know wait, clearly, wait one second. So it was was it opera then casino? And then mortuary or casino <laughs> opera mortuary. So it's actually opera psychology sociology degree more uh, mortuary or okay, okay. casino so you, uh, casino no. mortuary. Just so you know, I will push for you to be the the new Dosecki's uh, fucking mascot <laughs> for the most interesting person. Uh. Yeah, then we can all have free Dosakis forever. Yeah, also. let's get it. Let's get it. Uh, oh my God. I am going to take it. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. My, my very queer koozie. Queer crafty boot. I love <laughs> yes. it. Love. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so I started out in, and I, I was in Portland, uh, Oregon, going to school. And I realized that it had lost a lot of its uh, fun. I kind of 
lost my pa uh, passion for it, sort of got disillusioned. And I was like, I never really thought about doing anything else. So I decided to move back to my home state of Montana, go to the University of Montana here uh, in Missoula. And I ended up getting a women, gender and sexuality studies bachelor's with minors in psychology and media arts. And so I got interested in psychology and I was like, I guess I'll be a therapist. You know, like I, I was like, sure, I'm, we're right. with that. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of like passion for research or anything. And I was just sort of like, I guess I'll be a therapist. I guess I'll go get my master's. And, you know, and I, I was really not um, that passionate about it. But I started looking into different uh, sects and, and, and different types of therapy. And grief therapy really struck me. From there, I started looking into, you know, different types of death care and the death care industry and was like, oh, I, I could be a funeral director. Like that, I, I think I could totally do that. And so I, um, you're like, I have the casino floor management skills going. Yes. I know how to deal with freaks. Like, yes, like I got this, you know? And also I was like, oh man, you know, I'd rather deal with dead people. <laughs> I mean, okay, you are you are like <laughs> you are basically my brother, my anxiety ridden, bizarro brother who's like, I just want to work with animals. People are so tough, you know, yes. You're like if I'm going to work with people, they got to be dead. Um, well, I feel like especially after you've worked in service industry and if you've worked retail or any of these, you know, working with the public jobs at some point, you're just like, oh, God, please just stop talking. <laughs> yeah i mean i went into another service industry job where i'm one-on-one -on -one which is me and another person and it's great and the great thing is if they don't want to talk i don't talk you know some of them want to talk but usually i'm just like you just fall asleep while i massage you and i can just think about what's like what and plan my week in my head you know like <laughs> that's great that's well, because th there's a lot of like care that Andrea does that like you are as much as you, you put like care, care and effort, probably both of you with your craft, totally. but you can, you can go through the motions. Oh yeah. You can absolutely go through the motions. Uh, by the way, I do want to say I'm not completely out of the loop. I know you guys, you know, I, my, my mom was a hospice nurse for a while. Mm -hmm. So we've, uh, you know, we've got a little bit of that side of the story as well in the Van Poppelen family. And I witnessed some of it and was a part of it, which is like the precursor to then, yes, you know, where, uh, where we find you and your profession. Um, can I say real quick, a few, like, I want to give a few statistics based off of a very shoddily, uh, Googled, um, research thing I did. No, but no, it's fine. Listen, these are just stats so that our listeners, we love them. This is a really fun departure from the service industry, but I do believe that the death care industry is like we're cousins. It's an ultimate service industry, right? It's the last service industry you're going to be a customer at, you guys. Yep. <laughs> and we'll get into some of the crossovers in a bit because there are crossovers. Um, so, okay, some stats. The death care industry includes companies who provide death-related goods and services such as funerals, burials, cremations, coffins, lots and cemeteries, headstones, and memorials. So as of May 2018, 
around 25,740 morticians and 35,340 funeral attendants funeral attendants were employed in the United States earning median annual wages of somewhere between 30 grand and 57 grand um and then they were saying in 2019 there were almost 20,000 funeral homes across the United States but there has been a decline but based on this study i do have some questions if like uh, stuff. I don't want to get a whole thing, but I'm like, I can't even imagine what COVID has done to the business, but we're not here to necessarily talk about the pandemic. We could do it as an add-on after that, but it's a gigantic revenue-busting business. Just in general, so that we understand this is a $21 billion industry mm-hmm. in the U.S. because, again, what are the things that are unavoidable? Death and taxes, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yes, if you want to... Then tell us, you know, when you decided that you could be sort of a grief counselor or a funeral director, what are the steps that you then had to take? So when I decided to become a funeral director, I started looking at mortuary schools. In most of the states in the United States, we uh, they require you to have a uh, bachelor's at least mm-hmm. um, and at least an associate's in mortuary science uh it's usually like an associates of specialized technology i believe is like the term uh and then from there you need to get licensed now some states have separate licensing for cremation and funeral directing but some of them combine them sometimes you have to have a license for embalming and cremation and funeral directing depending on which state you're in and then there's a state like West Virginia where you actually don't have to have a license. Whoa. Come on. Rogue. Oh this is some rogue <laughs> fucking funeral shit. <laughs> Brian, Brian's looking at me like that checks out. <laughs> yeah. So he had to take a had to take a, a quick drink after you said that. Um, definitely. Uh, so the state that I'm in, uh, Montana, requires me to have a bachelor's as well as a mortuary science degree. And also I am going to get my I'm working currently on getting my mortician's license. Uh, I do already have a crematory operator's license, so I am able to cremate people if I so chose. But I'd like to have both licenses uh, so that I can do both at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and so I do have to ask again, wh- like, was there anything about you? Because I do feel like it is a sudden leap to just connect the dots to be like, I could be a funeral director. And I love it because, you know, I personally, I'm a little bit, I was a little bit of a spooky kid. I'm fascinated. I'm like, I'm like a fucking kid in a candy shop right now talking to you, too, which I think also says something you know, about my interests and the fact that I think it should be more talked about and normalized mm-hmm. and whatever. Hospice was my way in to be like, this is so fucked up the way that we let people die um, and don't talk about it and blah, blah, blah. Was there anything uh, where you connected the dots and were like, I could see this coming? Yeah, I, you know, um, well, I was always a very spooky kid, like, like yes. you. Uh, I, um, my favorite movie when I was four was the George C. Scott version of A Christmas Carol. Ooh. Which, if you haven't seen, is definitely the best version of A Christmas Carol. Um, 
you know, just FYI. And it's very spooky. Yes. Now, <laughs> we I brought it to preschool actually on VHS tape and tried to play it for the kids. And it, it went over <laughs> as about as well as you think it did. Uh, <laughs> like kids running screaming from the room you know that's what I, I was like this is my favorite movie this is the best um you know and and I, I did some like you know ghost hunting with my friends when we were little you know just that kind of stuff um but you know and, and I've always been a fan of horror movies so I, I don't know why I didn't connect the dots sooner somehow uh because I guess the other element is that I went to a lot of funerals as a kid. I did too. I did too. I don't talk about this a lot, but um, Mm -hmm. in the eighties when people didn't give a fuck about breast cancer, most of my classmates, mothers like fucking died. It was crazy. I went to more funerals than birthday parties uh, throughout my childhood. And I feel like I'm going to cry right now, but that was more, that was far more, more normal for me. Yeah. I mean, but just with the two of you talking, it's like death is less like it's been normalized for you for so long, right? Yes. And yeah. and like fear of death isn't there. And Ryan, you talking oh, I'm still, is like I'm still scared of it, but I'm trying to get past that. Totally. And that's a whole other But I but think I, you you tie in like your service aspect, your degrees, your need, your want to help people, and then you kind of just fall into line. You know what I mean? I feel like no matter what profession, not again to compare it to mine, but even decided to become an esthetician. Like there are certain aspects of the job that I was like, I had to do what? And then I just did it. And now I'm great at it. And that's just, that's just part of the job. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a multifaceted job as, as is being a mortician. And I would imagine you being able to tell loved ones of someone, you know, uh, of these people that that you care for, that you're caring for them with the best of your ability in every aspect of the job, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, I um, that that's one thing that I like about Montana uh, or these smaller states that we start from the very beginning you have your Mm -hmm. funeral director who might be the one who makes that first call even who comes to your house who comes to your hospital bed and they're going to work with that family from start to finish okay wow like like what we would call sort of like a caseworker you know in other areas yes absolutely and that is the kind of funeral directing that i would like to do that's why i want to have all of the licensing um, to be able to do everything. I mean, to me, I would just think if I was the one talking, I'd be like, you're like, this is like my the best party planner I've ever had ever talking to me right now. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you would hope so. Right. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's something that we've actually uh, discussed in, you know, in some of our, my coursework was how do we bring people back to, to funerals? It, we, funerals themselves, the services are in a deep decline. We're seeing such a rise in cremation that people are going to direct cremation and then they're not having a service at all, which a lot of the time is due to financial burden, which I understand. I mean, a lot of the time people don't have, you know, $10,000 to throw down. People don't, people don't have that coffin cash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to get a Mason jar now and I'm going to be like, I'm going to write coffin cash on it. Start throwing. I would like a money gun at my funeral. Just spray it all over the top <laughs> yes. of my casket. 
<laughs> okay, I, I mean, I, there there are so many things that I like wrote in this document in general, but right. So like, but I'm also a little bit of the mind, right? Like, uh, what is your gut reaction when I talk about the death positive movement? Oh, I, it's what got me into it. I um, I was really hoping that this would come up because yes, I I have a, quite a lot to say about this. I think so too. Andrea, do you see in the document? I mean, yeah. you, you can probably quote it, but I think this is really cool. I think this is super important to share. So I took it from a, um, a website that seemed to be representing what I think it's about, but I uh, want to toggle back and forth, Andrea. I'll, yeah. do, I'll do odd numbers. You do even tenets of death positivity. Okay, yeah. cool. So, the test, the death positive movement tenets. Number one, I believe that by hiding death and dying behind closed doors, we do more harm than good to our society. All right. Number two, I believe that the culture of silence around death should be broken through discussion, gatherings, art, innovation, and scholarship. Brilliant. Number three, I believe that talking about and engaging with my inevitable death is not morbid, but displays a natural curiosity about the human condition. Number four, I believe that the dead body is not dangerous and that everyone should be empowered, should they wish to be, to be involved in care for their own dead. Okay. Number five, I believe that the laws that govern death, dying, and end-of-life care should ensure that a person's wishes are honored regardless of sexual, uh, sexual, gender, racial, or religious identity, which is like a big fucking, that's a big, big one. Anyways. Number six, I believe that my death should be handled in a way that does not do great harm to the environment. I'm a huge advocate I know, I'm of like, this. burn me, burn I'm like, me. Anyways. Make me tree food. Let's do it. Tree food and then have a party. Anyway, <laughs> we will come back. I, you're going, ah, ah, we're coming back to you. I promise. Okay. <laughs> uh, number seven, I believe that my family and friends should know my end of life wishes and that I should have the necessary paperwork to back up those wishes. Amazing. And finally, number eight, I believe that my open, honest advocacy around death can make a difference and can change culture. And number nine, the specials tonight are a shrimp fettuccine with the milk. Oh my lord. <laughs> okay. But yes, but like this kind of blew me away. So yes, you were reacting violently in a in a wonderful way to some of the death positive positivity movement um and I'm just like I immediately was like yes, I'm into it. So you take the floor. Sure. Okay. Um so I actually I read Caitlin Dowdy's uh, first book, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. And she is the leader of the death, or one of the main heads of the death positive movement. Uh, she's the, uh, be she started the Order of the Good Death, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, right. Oh, this is where I got it from. To be fair, this is from the Order of the Good Death. Yes. I highly recommend uh, such a fantastic resource. Uh, so I, I actually because of my background in women and gender and sexuality studies, and I also um, have a background in activism and nonprofit work, I really was drawn to the funeral industry because I saw a lot of opportunity for change. There is a lot to be done environmentally. There's a lot to be done socially. And there's a lot to be done sort of philosophically, I think, uh, with the industry. I personally, my goal currently is 
in the next five, 10 years. I plan to own a green burial cemetery that is in the Bitterroot in, of Montana. It's like Western Montana. And I want to include, uh, you know, traditional burial. So just you're buried in three feet of ground rather than six feet. You don't have a vault or a grave liner along your casket. Your casket is, you know, maybe just like a nice pine box or a wicker box, but something that's biodegradable. Personally, I just want to be placed in a shroud, biodegradable mm-hmm. shroud. And then you're put into- I would, li- I would like to be placed in a Whole Foods shopping bag. Yes. <laughs> just say. Anyways, go on. Yeah, no, we should, we, you could partner with them and like- Yes. Should, you know, Death bags. Oh my God. Bezos bags. Like, Bezos, Bezos bags. <laughs> the, the personalization options just went up like a thousand percent. <laughs> but so and then you just you know and then you're just buried and you can have a tree planted on top of you you can have flowers uh i'd like to ideally have sort of like a conservation park uh as the cemetery with like little plaques you know where people can have themselves be but these are the kinds of things that i think that the industry needs to start looking at doing on the regular um you were talking about sort of the ultimate service industry and, and how, uh, you know, the things that funeral directors undergo. One of the big things that I, uh, you know, kind of was trepidatious about is the fact that embalmers are 20% likely, more likely to get cancer. Sure. Right. The, the um, fucking chemicals. Course. Like, come on. Person- Cut it out. And you're stuck in a basement with these fumes at the same, right? Like at the same time, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, and there's, you know, a lot of, uh, you have to take a course entirely on regulatory compliance and OSHA regulations basically. Um, But, you know, still a lot of these uh, old timers don't like to use PPE. They don't like to, you know, they're like, ah, I don't need ventilation. They're like, I wear my nicest suit. Okay, exactly. Or they, the people that like, they had before were, you know, literally smoking cigars and drinking whiskey while they're embalming. You know. Oh God. Like, yeah, you're like you don't you don't get the look that I'm obviously a mortician from not breathing in chemicals. Like you know, like, like I'm just gonna play into every stereotype of what you think a mortician looks like, but it's mostly because I'm poisoning myself with chemicals, not like the not the job itself you know yeah exactly um and so you know so that that, that's an aspect uh, of the job that i think exemplifies why it's not good for the environment Mm -hmm. why and and also why are we doing this why is this necessary Um, like what are we preserving like you know, like, why are we just turning ourselves into something else bad for the planet? Right? right. Just this idea that you're like, we're supposed to return, you know, especially if people are Christian, it's like, like, you're supposed to return to the earth, you know, and when you put like 8 million types of uh, components and chemicals and structures that don't break down, you're like, this person ain't returned to the earth anytime soon, you know, like, you can still like, I, I, 
uh, I want to be a time lapse video when I go. Just put no, me I know. in the field we, so and we, let me let it happen in 30 seconds. And for, that will be my funeral. Yeah, and we, let I, me decompose in a time lapse and then play it for everybody when I'm already gone. <laughs> okay. Uh, this party. Out. You should seriously check out the uh, body farm. Yes. The body oh, farm. Yeah. Oh, no. I love that. I love the body farm episode. Like, so oh, good. gosh. Yes. Like, oh, my gosh. But yeah, you should you should just go to the body farm and then have someone, yeah, put a GoPro, you know. Yep. Time lapse. And That'd be great. And we'll whoop it like, up. Yeah, exactly. But we'll put I'll fun- cover my junk. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> and we I promise I will pick out a fun fucking soundtrack as we watch you <laughs> um i'm sorry but ryan and i are already gonna know what my music's gonna be i love you so much oh, but it's it. all gonna be set in stone perfect but this is the stuff we're talking about it as friends like i already know some of your wishes you want to decompose on a gopro yes time after time place <laughs> you spin me right round baby right, i don't know I'm what down. it would be we'll see um, it's, it's gonna be there a lot of- she goes <laughs> <laughs> this is so great i'm so glad we're just tackling at this this is it. This is where it starts, right? This is what we're supposed to be doing. I feel like, and this is just me having like had more death in my life recently. I feel like the hardest I've ever laughed is like in the moments of true grief and pain. Mm. And I do think that that is, there's some, I love the idea of like death bringing people together. I love the idea of like <sighs> mad celebration and I, and, and you're right. Changing it. And normalizing it is great. And I fully imagine that services are down because it's 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 like the most vanilla, like uninclusive shit, right? It's like, no, I'm sorry, it's supposed to be done like this. This is how a funeral works. There's people are supposed to say things. God God is supposed to be involved. Well, in yes, it. and I know that Ryan can speak to this. I because of you, I listened to some episodes of the funeral boss podcast, right? And I wanted yeah. to educate myself y'all check out funeral boss podcast but basically one of the episodes that hooked me was like why are we stuck in the 80s you know why is funeral practice like you guys are very much like restaurants and the systems in place um and the operate the way you operate like a mom and pop place that like that are owned by like you know your fucking 70 year old grandparents are like we write up paper tickets for everything and everything's in a file cabinet and we refuse to up and then i also learned through the podcast that every state has different fucking rules mm-hmm. um for how funerals and embalming and like what's acceptable what's not it, it's really interesting to learn that there is this whole movement um very respectfully that is absolutely kind of going viral uh, also on social media with the young generation of people who are taking on the death care industry being like it's time it is time it is time to update this it needs a big big reboot yeah absolutely it really does I think that, and I was thinking, uh, you know, right when you were saying that your your dream to open a green, your green moach, your green mochaway, um, 
that this might not be an option in every state, right? Of course not. And yeah. having different rules in different states, even like even like moving my my dead body from say I die in California, I don't have the option. I want to go to Montana. And that's where I want to be because it's one of my only options to have a green burial, a green send off. Mm. Just like that, like red tape alone is can be pretty tricky, right? It can be. It and it, it kind of depends on if you have a um, pre arrangement or not. Got it. So part, this is part of the party planning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got so it. like I, I'm a huge proponent of you know it doesn't really matter how old you are like have you know, just at like, just tell at least tell somebody like what you're totally, you know, it doesn't have to be set in stone. You don't have to have a will necessarily, but, and actually if you, uh, also heads up will, uh, the will is not the place to put your funeral, uh, arranged wishes, wishes, uh, wills are typically read after funerals. Yeah. Uh (laughs) That's a hot tip. We used to, we used to have a, we used to have a segment called Here's a Tip. Now, yeah. we just resurrected it from the dead. Here's a tip. Oh, my God. They're, like, reading it in front of, like, the urn of your grandma, and she goes, I'm I'm terrified of fire. Please don't cremate me. Oh, my God. That would, grandma. That would be my worst fear. <laughs> Oopsie. Oopsie, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did have I did have a fun and dark thought too of someone who's like I want you to scatter my ashes in space and then they're in the <laughs> capsule and it's just everywhere and they're stuck inside you know fucking inspiration four or whatever the one that just got paid I for. envision yes. like all these urns being like shot around in a loop and then they <laughs> hit the earth come down and hit the earth like meteors yeah and a huge asteroid they're they're <laughs> but it's like shaped like one big shitty person. Like flying at Earth. It's now that's the way to go. <laughs> I mean, it's, God, I tell you what, and like I think like the big thing about this too is like it's so fucking fun to just be honest and real and lean into and to not consider people who do this line of work as like they're off or like they're creepy or whatever. And like, and don't get me wrong. It's okay. If you've got a morbid sense of humor because of the nature of what you do, like I feel like fucking more power have to, right? Like more power to, but you also don't have to. I just like, there are people who are just like, they just seem like, uh, especially in the industry as well, are like just incredibly empathic. Like they're, they're like, I really want to provide a service for this grieving family who like this is their last chance to, you know, do right, do right by this person. And and it's interesting because I, I, you're going to be on Wowie uh, earlier in the week. This is, I think Wowie is going to air before the podcast episode drops, but one of my co-writers who I love, he lost his dad and his brother within months, you know, Mm -hmm. And he spoke to the power of having uh, really great funeral director support and how he was felt like very incapable of making choices and felt like people really were taking care of him. And he's like, y'all are wasting your time on having, you know, uh, the perfect wedding plans because he's like weddings. You've got a chance to like maybe do a one year reboot a year later or you get divorced and get remarried again but he's just like death is truly the finals end off mm-hmm. 
I want to do pre-recorded messages and shit and be like, it's me! Like, that I record. <laughs> of course. There's no world in which that's not Ryan, you take any. These are all ideas that you can take and run with as options, like package options. I, I am As you continue notes. to I move am, forward. This is like, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm used not Also, thinking. big question big question is it like cool as fuck to drive a hearse i mean it's got to be very cool <laughs> it is it is very cool it is it's also very weird when you're in one of those uh body removal vans and yeah you have a decedent with you in the van and you and you're just in traffic Mm-hmm. and you can like like and you just like like look at these people around you and you're like they have no idea yes where you're like i'm as angry as the rest of you but i also have a dead person in the back yes. and not in a criminal way like i um, love i love the being stuck in traffic part of it though because it's just your job man no it like just, it's it, just the red it's just the regular bullshit of what happens when you in at your job or you're like, you're like, we're fucking slammed. People always die in June or something like that, where mm-hmm. you're like, all oh, the tourists are here. Oh, it's fucking death season. You know, like it's I'm sure there are like tropes like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we uh, I, I was in Pittsburgh um, uh, finishing my embalmings, uh, my my embalming practicum. And after Memorial Day weekend, we were all expecting like, you know, to get called in. And mm-hmm. we didn't, which was, you know, but everyone was surprised. Like, that's not normal. So, you know, yeah, there there are those sorts of patterns of like, you know, when when times get busy. But then at the same time, it is such a weird industry because there's also really no rhyme or reason to it. Like, you, totally. There might be three days where you don't get a call and then one day you'll get 12, you know? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just life, man. Life yeah. is an unpredictable roller coaster, right? But Andrea, um, those are that's like death weeds. This might be this might be your personal <laughs> question, and I know you're just getting rolling and you're gonna evolve with your career. But like, do you chat with your with your clients? Do you, do you chat with do you, do you talk to them? Oh, absolutely. I um, I feel like there's two different types. There's those that like do not talk at all during. Mm-hmm especially during an embalming um and then there's me who's like ah oh, hey there susan i'm gonna uh start working on this area here you know and like i i literally am like walking them through the process they're dead they're not actually there or listening i mean you know i i'm i'm but agnostic so but they may be because I think we've all decided we believe spirits and ghosts. Like, exactly. They could be in the room going like, they don't do be. that, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's one of the things that I think about with embalming is a lot of the time if people knew exactly what all goes on with embalming, mm-hmm. they would not. They'd be that's like, you did that to my grandma? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Like, hell no, I don't want that done to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, I... I um. I, I obviously have a hot take on embalming. I'll, I'll, I'm not, you know, like the standard uh, funeral practitioner. Here's uh, a place to share it. So yeah, do it. You know, I'm, I'm all about it. But I will say that during my uh, restorative art works mm. uh, residency, I found 
that it actually does have a place. Mm. There's, I guess, like two two reasons that I, I think embalming is important. One is for travel, which is the whole reason it was invented. Uh, our modern techniques were invented during the Civil War to transport mm-hmm. bodies on trains. Uh, Abe Lincoln and his son were on tour for, I think, five or six months yes. via train. Yes, exactly. So, you know, so they... They were dead. If that, anyone didn't understand that, they were <laughs> fucking dead and on tour and were being shown all around the country because there was no internet, you young, dumb fox. Get with it. Okay, all right. <laughs> yes. I know, I know, but I, I'm telling you, this is a whole, like, where they're like, why didn't they send a photo, you know? But it's just like, right, this like- was... This was the internet when the when the train rolled into town with with fucking four months in dead Abe Lincoln and his son, but preserved embalming made him look okay, you know, you know, like like oh, mommy, I can't wait to go see. <laughs> don't I don't want to see Harry Styles. I'd hate mommy, to, the I don't last want to go to the Harry Styles concert. I want right. to see Abe. Abraham Lincoln roll by on the death train. I kind of hate to be the last up on the tour. You know what I mean? I'd be like, <laughs> that's, that's, oh. <laughs> right. He's looking a little rough. Like, a little, he's a little green now. Uh, but, <laughs> no, but um, uh, basically, you know, so so I, I feel like that travel is, is, a, is an important uh, reason to embalm. But the other reason is for restoration purposes. Mm-hmm. In very traumatic deaths, it is, I think, especially if like the person uh, completes suicide, that whoever found them gets to see them not with like a gunshot wound to their head. Yes, for someone who has the chance to be. Uh, more successfully restored to the person we knew and what have you, um, there is a good like reset. There's a reset moment where you're like, this is the person they're not in pain right now, you know, Mm -hmm. and they are who, who we knew them to be versus this like really rough, tragic accident, whether it was a full on accident or self-inflicted no matter what. But yes, it's, um, it's a nice, like, uh, uh, emotional sort of security deposit you can give people while they're dealing with the other ends of the grief. So yeah, I 100% am like, you know, I mean, clearly I've watched so much Six Feet Under and I'm like, why is there no show? <laughs> why is that? I'm actually, we'll, we'll talk about it. I, I've been, I've had a show kind of about this topic um, that I've been trying to pass around for a couple years now. And I'm just like, come on, are we thirsty for more of this knowledge, especially with the new stuff? that we've all learned and the new generations and the new attitudes. I'm just like, I'm, I kind of feel like it's, it's time to get real about it, especially after what we've gone through in a global pandemic where people Absolutely. who weren't preparing to say goodbye to anyone. Right. Yeah. Suddenly and losing, all the- losing people like flies. Yeah, and so much trauma that hasn't even surfaced from that. But um, Ryan, come back on the show, please. Oh, again. any yeah, like you know, we could. I feel like we could talk and talk and talk. So like, come back. Let's talk about more things. If you have notes, if you want a few other topics that you want to bring back, like we're game. We love it. We're we're now like we 
we should like get a podcast going about this and add it to our network that no one pays attention to. Um, <laughs> You're good. I I did want to um there was that I did want to get into uh trans uh death. Yes, please. Point, I so. think it's important as for you as a personal uh as a personal truth as well. So yeah, is that all we right? We can do it right now. Jam jam into that real quick. Of yes, course. Please. So one of the things that really got me into uh, this I, I was kind of talking about the social issues right earlier and, and talking about you know like the activism portion and I was very interested in the environmental aspect but one thing that really drew me in was the fact that a lot of trans people are not their identities are not respected in death because of next of kin body disposition rights which means yes. essentially you know whoever is next of kin has control over what happens to their body so we have cases like this woman, uh, Jennifer, who died of an aneurysm, a uh, trans woman, died of an aneurysm at 30. And her family, you know, used her dead name, cut her hair off, put her in a suit. All of her friends showed up to her funeral and were just like, who is this person? Like, what is happening? And there's really no big protections at this time. Uh, in California in 2015, they passed the uh, gender affirmation act i believe is what it's called which has people go off of the gender marker on their id rather than their sex so if you let's say are a trans person and you are murdered uh unfortunately as a you know especially trans women of color mm -hmm. uh are you know more likely to be assaulted and killed uh, if they are found, as long as their gender marker on their ID says female, then they're going to be gendered that way during the autopsy. Now, that is, you know, kind of baby steps. But mm -hmm. ultimately, something that I would like to see is legislation in place. And I'm not sure what it would look like, but to protect trans people in death. So yeah. something that trans people can do at this time is like, let's say you are estranged from your next of kin or even like my parents, I love them, but I don't think that they would, you know, not dead name me at my funeral at this time. Uh, you want to fill out something called an advanced directive. It's a little different in each state. Some states don't have it, unfortunately, but, um, and this is also something internationally as well, but they uh, basically you will assign your death care and funeral uh, rights and body disposition to a partner, a friend, uh, another family member, but you can basically assign it to anyone. And so that then at the time of your death, that will be honored. So you just need to have that done. You just get it noted. What is that? What the, the, I know I can go back and listen to the, but it's called a, a death. Uh, an advanced directive. An, an advanced directive. Just any of us can do it because I mean, like, listen, there are no promises, mm -hmm. you know, and especially if you are in a situation that the world at large is grappling to get correct respect, you know, so on and so forth. It seems like a really great way to protect yourself and to honor what you've gone through to, you know, to make these changes uh, in your life and vice versa and to be remembered and honored is so, cause here's the thing, like, it's like uh, funerals can be really traumatic for people just in general, but then what you're describing with this person to come through the funeral and not even recognize their friend and have, yeah. you know, I'm guessing like people in the trans community to just feel brutally assaulted by like 
what I'm going through doesn't fucking matter. And this person was, you know, disrespected at the highest degree. And they're also dead. It's like, it's like it's so yeah. many insults on top of so many injuries. And, and I really hate to hear it, you know? Yeah. So it's. And to literally, literally be like put back into a box, like created by what you were like trying to get away from like your entire life. That's fucked. Yeah. No, it's really fucked up. And so we, uh, we, you know, I, I've been trying to just get the word out that we have options, um, even though, you know, it sucks that we have to do that at all, mm -hmm. um, that we can't just be respected when we die. Um, but that is a big, big thing. I know uh, Order of the Good Death also has some good uh, information on that as well. And yeah, I just, it, it's something that I'm also very passionate about and want to include in, you know, going forward my, my work. It's so exciting it's, to talk to you. It is really, really honestly, thank you so much. Like, I feel like I've learned so much and it's, thank you for being an advocate. And like, I knew you, that you were coming on and we were going to talk about this, but I had like no idea, like how, like, I want to cry right now and how like emotional I would feel over all this and the empowerment of it, that this is my life and it should be my fucking death at the same time. Absolutely. So, Yeah. Yeah. So tip your servers and be in charge of your own. <laughs> Feel free. I also think morticians should have tip jars, you know, yes. like, uh, you know, whatever. The funeral director should have a tip jar. Did you enjoy this funeral? You That's can do right. that thing where you put your first dollar you've ever made in embalming fluid and like Ex keep it in a jar. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. It's like when I host karaoke, I, I put like a nice crisp fiber in the karaoke uh, tip jar and I'm like, Come on, guys. I'm really good at what I do. Um, <laughs> so funny. I love it. And amazing. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah. Ryan, you are welcome back anytime. Uh, it's been lovely talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the illuminating and I think super important conversation that we we had that I, I feel very excited to share it with our audience. Thank yeah. You. I mean, is this striking any chords to you guys? Is there, could, could we get server submitted stories like based off like these feels that we just, we you know, have? Stuff um, is, I, we're going to, I think we will be unearthing feelings from people. Ooh. For sure. In a good way. It's like a little spooky halloween we're gonna dead coming back from yeah, yeah so. we'll be exhuming some old memories <laughs> and stories from our oh. listeners oh you better believe it so. all right well you guys thanks again for listening happy halloween and you know what we say at the end of every episode we godspeed say, and good tea and good burial oh boy oh we boy. just added that on <laughs> um, Ryan, thank you so much. We will talk to you all soon. <laughs>